three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 389. Welcome in. I got to tell you something. Um, first of all, we're going to have fun today. I got a, like a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, good, bad, sports-related, non-sports-related. Just being honest, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Wearing the party shirt today. Haven't worn it in over a month. And so welcome. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing the... I call it the party shirt. It's my Hawaiian shirt, my favorite one. I have two of them. Um, I want to say this real quick because my advice to anybody who is presenting or public speaking, I tell everyone, and, and there's common knowledge. People say, like, if you're nervous, don't admit it to the crowd. Bull honky. That's totally wrong. That's ridiculous. That's not true. If you're public speaking and you're afraid that something's going to throw you off or maybe there's something in the background the audience might notice then you have to tell them like you have to. In fact, if I've, when I've public, done public speaking in the past, I say, Hey, I'm nervous. Letting the audience know actually calms me down. So I have to let you in on a secret. I want you guys first, let me say moving to Hawaii. I, uh, I live in probably the cheapest apartment in Honolulu and you get what you pay for and moving here to Hawaii. I, I love it. I'm very happy, but there have been challenges like every day. There's another little challenge that I did not expect. I'm like, Oh, Hey, this has happened, and this went wrong, and that went wrong, and it's been a, a fun roller coaster every day, and it's making me a better broadcaster because I have to be more relaxed, be able to go with the flow. So I want you to, I want you guys to be able to experience what I went through this morning when I woke up. So this, I, I, let me paint a picture. I woke up this morning, eight o'clock in the morning. I'm happily fast asleep, just mm, snoozing. Real good. And then suddenly, and I, and I hope that blew out your eardrums. I hope that was jarring and shocking and surprising because it was for me waking up, having to deal with suddenly, literally a jackhammer downstairs at eight in the morning. Not expected, by the way. Not fun. Uh, and, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? They're renovating the apartment downstairs. I was going to record this morning. Oh, well, guess what, Zach? Not right now. Not while they're renovating downstairs. Not while they're just this ja- literally. I'm, I'm not exaggerating a jackhammer. I'm like, oh, this will be a fun thing to deal with. I didn't expect that. And so uh, I, I was literally like inches away from doing a mobile setup. I'm like, I'm like panicking. I'm like, what do I do? Do I have to? I'm like, I could figure out how to record in my car. Like, I, I have a camera with an attachment. I can plug my mic into my camera. I'll record the audio directly to the camera. Then I'll take it off. The, I'll, I'll separate it from the video feed. I'll edit it, uh, uh, you know, out, re- separate from the video, edit it there, then put it back into the video. Like, I, I can make this work. And I'm, I'm, like, coming up with solutions. And then I realize, like, okay, no. What may have to happen today, either you're going to hear, like, like banging in the background and you're like what's going on i cannot figure out what's happening either that's going to happen or it's quiet enough you can't hear anything which is very likely i mean i always i panic that you can hear stuff but then i realize like you can barely hear and you probably can hand here but like beyond like a five foot radius of the microphone you can't hear anything so it's probably fine but if there's any weird cuts in this episode that's why it's because there's just a jackhammer in the background and i have to 
pull off and stop, and I've done it three times. I, I had to. Sorry, I was in the shower. I was like, I'm gonna make that sound. That'll be really fun. And and I think now they're installing a shower. I hear like clanging of pipes, and the water is going on and off. Like I was in the shower. I was like, as quickly as I could shower because I'm like, what if the water goes out? Well, I am in the shower. Like imagine me covered in soap, not able to finish my shower for who knows how long. So, um, <laughs> again, like I I'm very glad to live here. I'm, I'm very happy. I live steps from the ocean. I got the literally like the best deal in the world. I'm in the cheapest apartment in Honolulu. I swear to God, like I'm, I'm not even kidding. I, I moved here and saved a ton of money. It's crazy, but you do get what you pay for. And, and part of that is day to day. I have no idea what's going on around this place. Yelling, screaming, dogs, construction, who knows? It's, it's a fun disaster. And again, I think it's making me a better broadcaster. Let's now jump into the show, the actual sports podcast. Uh, I want to start today with a correction. And reading comments usually really just hurts my feelings. People are – there's a lot of unhappy, angry people out there, and I, I try not to – you try not to let it affect you, but it does hurt, like, to see people call you an idiot and slam you and say stuff that's not true about you. You're like, well, no, I do work really hard, I, I promise you. Um, and I, I try to let it go because I realize, you know, people are fans of their favorite team, and they wake up in the morning, maybe unhappy. But the one light at the end of the tunnel is on Sunday. They get to watch their favorite team, and that's a moment of hope. And so I, when people are angry, when I say stuff that they don't like about their football team, I go, I get it, because that's your, your hope. You, you're looking forward to that, and I'm someone just crapping all over your dreams. Like I, I, don't mean to, I, I don't mean for that to happen, but that ends up being my role in this world all the time. I don't like it, but it's a reality. And, and like, again, if you don't believe me about comments, go read my, the comments on my Go look at the Seattle Seahawks prediction, the Eagles prediction, the <laughs> Giants. Uh, man, like the, it's it, it's endless. Like go even predictions I'm dead right about. Go watch. Go listen to my. Go listen to my Atlanta Falcons 2020 season p- prediction. Read the comments there. It's unbelievable. So we've talked enough about comments, but I will never stop reading comments because I do think it's an incredibly valuable tool. Like there is good stuff to be had there. Number one. It's where people can share ideas, and I, I hear new stuff, and I'm like, oh, hadn't thought of that, hadn't thought of that. Like, I, I do learn stuff when I read my comments. It's fun. It's a way to share ideas, but it's also the best way I can find to do corrections. Not enough – like, we have, like, 500 people on Patreon, which is a lot of people, by the way. Like, I'm like, hey, I'll take it. That's great. However, 500 out of 100-something thousand that listen to the show – I'd like more people on Patreon, so I can't – but my point is I can't rely solely on Patreon – to correct all the stuff I get wrong. There's not enough write-ins to do that. But on YouTube comments, oh, if I get something wrong, you bet you're bippy there's someone writing and saying, hey, Zach, you wrote, and, and some are nice, some are not. Who cares? Uh, on the last episode, I said something, though, to the effect, basically I said, Drew Brees always has a good defense. And people took issue with that. And so I was like, well, let's put it front and center. Like I try, whenever I make a mistake, I try to openly admit that, and I, I think that makes me more trustworthy to say, like, hey, when I'm right, I, I try not to gloat, and when I'm wrong, I try to say, hey, this is what was wrong, this is what happened, this is why, and I think that makes it so I can be someone you can trust when you listen to me. And people pushed back against what I said, so I went to check. I was like, huh. I was under the impression Drew Brees always had a good defense in New Orleans. I'm like, well, like, I remember... Tracy Porter had the pick six in the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning. New Orleans had – they benefited greatly from that defensive play. That's a good defense. 
uh, help the Saints win a Super Bowl. Like, you don't win a Super Bowl with a bad defense. And I'm like, well, last year, 2020, the Saints defense is really good. I remember they were fourth best defense ranked in the NFL. And this year, they're still really good. I'm like, well, like, I, my, my general impression was New Orleans, in the 15 years they had Drew Brees, they were a good defense. And uh, I, I, I checked it. Apparently, and this is where I was wrong, Drew Brees only had a top 10 defense three times in the 15 years he was the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. And so I went back and I looked at the numbers over the years, where the Saints defense ranked in yards allowed. That's the best, the best, like quickest and simplest way to determine how their defense ranked every year. It's just how many yards do they give up on average and during the season, and the average tells you, hey, they were the blank-ranked defense in the NFL. And what I found was that in 2006, during Drew Brees' first ever year in New Orleans, they were the 11th-ranked defense in the NFL. 2007 was the 26th-ranked defense in the NFL. 2008, the 23rd-ranked defense in the NFL. It's going to be a long list, guys. 2009, 25th. In 2010, oh, they broke the top 10. They were actually the, a top-five team, the number four defense in the NFL, fourth-ranked defense in the NFL, 2011, a step, massive step backwards, 20, tw- from 4th to 24th ranked defense in the NFL. 2012, they were dead last, 32nd in the NFL. 2013, uh, they were 4th again. So they, like, it's a roller coaster. Terrible, better, terrible, better. 2015, a couple bad years in a row. 2015 and 2014, they were 2nd to last in the NFL. So 31st ranked defense in the NFL. 2016, 27th ranked defense in the NFL. 20. 17, 17th best defense in the NFL. A little better in 2018, they were the 14th ranked defense in the NFL. 2019, they were 11th. And then in 2020, last year, the New Orleans Saints were the fourth ranked defense in the NFL. So that's by yards allowed, my simplest way to quickly find that information. How good was the Saints defense over the years? And uh, numbers are not perfect, but when, look, to me, that tells me I was wrong, right? When I Add up all the rankings and the numbers I saw. It's, you know, that you total it's actually 284 was the average number. You divide that by 15 years. So then you get 284 divided by 15. That is actually 18.99999. So that's the 19th ranked defense on average during the time Drew Brees was the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. I was wrong. Uh, that's not good. My impression uh, that I, I checked against my impression and found out, oh, no, no, no. Uh, the Saints defense during the Drew Brees era was not as good as I would have thought. Uh, you know, they had three good years, basically. They were, in, in 2010, they were fourth ranked. In 2013, they were fourth ranked. And in 2020, they were the fourth ranked defense. Those are kind of anomalies. The rest of the years, they were average to bad. So, interesting there. I, I thought that was a worth acknowledging because people wrote in, it's little details that I try to get right. And I want to, whenever I'm wrong about stuff like that, I try as, mu- as best I possibly can to circle back around and acknowledge that. And I want to make that a segment, hopefully at the beginning of every show, where I can say, hey, like, I got this wrong. Let's acknowledge it. Let's shift gears now to Monday Night Football because, oh, my goodness, what a game we had on Monday. On Monday Night Football, NFL Week 3, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles 41-21. to And uh, let's start with this. I think Dallas is a... Very, very good football team. They lost to Tampa week one by two points. That's the reigning Super Bowl champions who are going to be a playoff team this year. We're almost certain. So that's a, that's a loss. I'm like, hey, that's a tough loss, but they played very, very well. 
Then in week two against LA, they won. They beat the LA Chargers week two. LA's very good. I thought that was an impressive win for Dallas. I'm like, hey, two weeks in, you're like, really good. And then now in week three, Dallas took care of business. And I'm like, oh, this team like, really impressed me. Three games in, the Dallas Cowboys are, in my opinion, easily the best team in the NFC East. I would be, frankly, shocked if they did not win their division. And I just go like, oh, man, I, I, I was wrong. about it. it looks three games in so far. We'll see where they're at by week 10. So far, I'm like, I was very wrong about Dallas. Uh, it's only three games in September. But what I've seen from Dallas so far has been very, very impressive. And the guy that I think deserves the most credit in this organization is Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. These three games have been... Dak is simply playing the best I have ever seen during his career. And the small details are better than ever. Third downs. He knows exactly where to go with the ball. He's been precise. He's been decisive. He's been highly accurate downfield. The best I've ever seen Dak throw the ball vertically downfield this year. I'm like, wow, I am blown away. He's been patient. He's been checking the ball down. He's been making great decisions. Uh, I, like, look, at, look at his completion percentage. And completion percentage is not everything. He's always been good at that. But like year one of Dak, he was just kind of five yards, five yards, five yards, which is it's good. That's not bad quarterback play to take what the defense gives you. But now Dak has got a high completion percentage with like what for other quarterbacks would be low percentage throws. He's threading the needle and still got a really high completion percentage. It just looks fantastic. It's, it's like really, really high level quarterback play. He's getting the ball out of his hands very quickly, reading blitzes and making the right checks. I'm, I am blown away by Dak Prescott so far this year. And there was a play he made fourth and goal on the two-yard line. The play went horribly. No one was open. No problem for Dak, right? He extends the play right, keeps it alive, finds someone in the end zone for a touchdown. Just a really, really great play. And, I mean, he had another play similar to that week one against Tampa where there's a bad snap low. He catches it, throws a touchdown. I, I just really, I, I can't say enough how impressed I am with Dak Prescott so far this year. And I remember in the past being underwhelmed by Dak Prescott. And I also don't think I was wrong back then. I, I had really legit criticisms of Dak where I was like, details, third down, were not good. I mean, I remember things I said about Dak. I'm like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. And some Cowboys fans loved Dak even back then. But people were divided. People were angry. Some people loved Dak. Some people hated Dak. And I was objective. And I'm like, look, Dak, I like the person. But I remember Dak making mistakes that were glaring and problematic to me. But Dak, I always loved Dak Prescott, the human being. Like, the way he's clearly a good dude. He works hard. Got a great story. Like, his brother, his mom. It's, his brother's incredibly sad. My, my brother also took his own life. That was a, a thing we have in common that I really was like, oh, man, I feel so much for Dak. And I'm really not sure how anybody can hate Dak Prescott, the person. If you're an Eagles fan, a Giants fan, you might be mad. Like, oh, I'm frustrated he beats my football team. But, like, you, you can't honestly tell me, like, you think he's a terrible person. That's just not true about Dak Prescott. And now it's a big relief to me that I can finally love everything he's doing, not only off the field, but also on the field. I look at Dak Prescott, I'm like, ah! Finally, yes, this is something I can get behind. He, it's so nice to not watch Dak Prescott anymore 
and have critic. I have no criticisms. Nothing to. I, I don't really have any critiques. Nothing wrong. There's no glaring problems in his game. He's just playing fantastic, high-level football. And I got goosebumps. Like that makes me so. Because for years I've been wanting that and wanting that and rooting for him and hoping and hoping and finally, it's there. I'm I'm so glad and happy to report. Dak Prescott got way better. And, and I mean, he, he, I, I hated for years while he was developing, liking the person, but also having to acknowledge and talk about his shortcomings on the field. So against Philly, Dak was 21 for 26 passing, 238 yards, three touchdowns. He did have like one bad, every game you get, in my opinion, if you're a quarterback, you're, you get one bad play a game where I'm like, I'm not going to fault you for that, right? Tom Brady screws up sometimes. Aaron Rodgers will screw up. Every quarterback in the NFL has a bad play every game, and I'm like, totally fine. The bad play for Dak in this game, he had one fumble. He got hit in his own end zone. Eagles picked it up for a touchdown. Uh, not a good play. Like, not, not uh, the best play of Dak's career. But also, it's not a long-lasting symptom of a problem. Like, you see Dak in his own end zone. It's easy to fix that. You say, hey, Dak, you got to get the ball out of your hands quickly in your own end zone. There was a miscommunication on the route. It's, it's, I, I'm like, totally fine. Hey, Dak, take note next time. If you're backed up in your own end zone, you got to get rid of the ball. You can't double clutch. You, can't, you don't have a lot of time to find your second and third read. You got to get the ball out of your hands. Fixable. Not a problem to me. So again, the story of the first three games for Dak Prescott is that he is much improved. And I want to mention this because it, it's really cool to me. I remember watching a Graham Bensinger video a couple years ago, and it was Graham Bensinger, and maybe it was last year or two years, something like that, right? He, D- Graham Bensinger went to Dak's house and was interviewing him, and we got to see footage of Dak Prescott's home office, and uh, I work from home, and when you have a place to work where you live, it makes you more productive. And when I saw Dak Prescott's, I'm going to call it, quote, his home office. When I saw that, it was a big like statement to me of how committed Dak Prescott is to his football career. Now, of course, I work at a desk. You can see it right behind me if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, I work at a desk, and that's, that's my home office is, is right here where I, I am like literally 95% of my life. Sometimes I've literally slept, even in Hawaii here, I've slept under my desk. Now, Dak's home office is a 50-yard football field at his house. And one cool detail about that is that he built that football field before he got his massive contract with the Cowboys. He did that using, like, his Pepsi endorsement money. So Dak is all in. And I always tell people, quarterbacks should learn from Tom Brady. You look at Tom Brady, the way he has taken care of his body. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak... I challenge young quarterbacks to copy the way Tom Brady has taken care of his body. He's completely dedicated. Well, now I have another one. Hey, the football field at your house, that is something that other quarterbacks should steal from Dak Prescott. That is a really, in my opinion, next level investment in your career. Now, I know Dak is from Texas. Uh, you know, there's more land like to be had, like, Sure, fair enough, but you, where there's a will, there's a way. And if you're a quarterback making $100 million on a giant contract, I'm sorry. Everybody can find a way to build a football field at your house and make that your training space. You can. If you want to, you can. And 
Dak, I, I call it, again, quote, his home office. That's all part of the process that made Dak Prescott better. It's his investment. When you're, you wake up every day, you see the field, it, it taunts you. When your office is where you wake up in the morning, you get right to work. That's, that's how I am. And I'm sure Dak is the same way. I wake up, I get out of bed. I, I don't even drink water. I don't even, I just like literally sit down at my desk. I, I like, it's a very, I'm a creature of habit. I get up, suddenly I'm in my desk and I'm back to work. Dak wakes up every morning in, in Texas and goes, put on my cleats, go throw the ball, do footwork drills, whatever it is. That's, it's a next level dedication that I really want to credit to Dak. And that is part of the process of him developing and becoming a better quarterback. That investment at his house helped him get better. Now, another guy who deserves credit in the development of Dak Prescott, I'm going to give him praise, and then I'm going to share a concern I have about him, is the Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy. He did not want to derail Dak Prescott's progress as a quarterback. So when Mike McCarthy was hired, rather than making Dak learn a new offensive system. He said, I'm going to keep the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, the guy we already have here, former Boise State quarterback, offensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Instead of making Dak learn a new offensive system, new words, new verbiage, new concepts, I'm just going to, I'm going to sacrifice myself. And, and Mike McCarthy decided to learn the new, to learn the Cowboys system. And he, instead of making Dak adapt, he said, I'm going to adapt to Dak. Hey, and bravo. That is great coaching. I love hearing that. I love saying, I just, that's beautiful. And I remember Mike McCarthy talking in an interview like a year and a half ago about that whole process. He's back in his house talking about, well, this is what I'm going to do when I get a coaching job. And it's really cool to see that. So Dak not having to learn a new system, getting to build on what he already knew, and then having, a, he got injured last year, had a year off to watch film and hang out. And I'll be honest, it, it's a very weird phenomenon. Like, Dak didn't get to sit down for very long in his football career. One of the best ways to learn how to play quarterback the right way is to watch it played the wrong way and watch mistakes happen and bad things happen. I have no doubt that watching Andy Dalton run the Cowboys offense last year, it gave Dak a, I got notebooks all around me. He had probably stacks of notes of what he would do instead of what Andy Dalton did last year ideas, like all kinds of stuff. And I actually think in a weird way, it's possible that Dak getting hurt last year might have been one of the better things that ever happened in his career. He got to watch film every week from the sideline, from not on the field, see Andy Dalton, not, no shot at Andy Dalton, but not play quarterback at a high level and say, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that, and got his mind going. And he looks way Way better this year. I, I'm trying to praise Dak as much as I can because I'm just like, you have to understand, he's a much different quarterback this year than he ever has been in the past. Now, I do have a concern about the Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy. His clock management is a problem. Uh, before halftime against Philly, he had a couple opportunities to take a timeout. And, I mean, da Philly was, what, third and 24? Something crazy like that? Didn't call a timeout there. The clock's just running. Fourth and five. Could have taken another timeout. Doesn't for some reason. Mike McCarthy standing next to the ref thinking about it. Didn't do it. I don't, I don't know why. I, I can't tell you why. And it's not the first time against the Chargers he did it. I mean, we've seen it multiple times. Or Mike McCarthy and last year. 
kind of head scratching decision maker when it comes to clock management. I'm like, I don't is it, who is telling him stuff? I don't I don't get like what's happening in his head. I don't understand. Uh, and I, I thought you take a timeout. Philly's third and twenty four, whatever. What twenty one, twenty five, whatever. I think it was twenty four. Philly's massive third and long. You're probably going to stop him. You should have taken a timeout there instead of letting the clock run. Then on fourth and five, you should have taken another timeout. Stop the clock again. You could have had a minute and a half for the Cowboys to put together a long drive before halftime. Instead, he lets the clock run down to like 11 seconds. You, you, you know, Instead of putting a drive together before halftime, the Cowboys had to kneel and go to halftime. And it's fine. It worked out. They won the game. They had a massive lead. It's all good, really. But it felt like that was a moment where Mike McCarthy could have been better. And I want people to hear this when I say this and do not forget it. I worry that Mike McCarthy's clock management skills are going to hinder Dallas later in the year, maybe in a key playoff game down the road, wild card, division round. I don't know. But that right now, Mike McCarthy's clock management feels like a real weakness for the Cowboys football team. And Mike either has to figure it out or it's going to hinder them later down the road, whether it's in the regular season, maybe in the playoffs. I don't know. But clock management is a problem Dallas has at this current moment. Now, after this Eagles game, I want to give a massive shout-out to second-year corner Trevon Diggs. He had a great game. He had a pick six. He had a couple passes defended. Dude, Trevon Diggs, uh, second-year corner, was drafted in the second round of 2020. He is making fantastic plays. I'm, I'm blown away. I'm like, oh. This dude can play. Like, he's getting better and better. I think every week I watch him, he gets a little bit better, actually. And so, also, another guy that deserves a shout-out is a new Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, former Falcons head coach. The Cowboys defense, after three games this year, already looks way better, like monumentally better than they looked last year in Dallas. And part of that is they got a better offense that's supporting them with points, and Dak is back. Part of it is the new defensive coordinator, is doing a way better job getting them prepared and making good play calls. And I don't know. Also, I got to say, the play, I mentioned that Trevon Diggs had a interception, a pick six. That play was like an Alabama football commercial, by the way. It was, you know, a former Alabama quarterback throws to a former Alabama receiver picked off by a former Alabama cornerback for a touchdown. Like, bang, bang, bang. Like, the amount of former Alabama football players in the NFL is unreal. You watch football on Sunday— it's one massive Alabama football recruiting commercial. You're like, okay, Nick Saban's job is done. All he has to do is turn the TV on to any NFL game, and you're like, oh, I'm going to Alabama. Because clearly, if you want to go to the NFL, you go to Alabama, because that's <laughs> they're everywhere. It's unbelievable. I, just, I, I had to mention that because I'm just blown away. I've thought this all year, but no play signified that more than a play where Three Alabama players were involved, and you're like, geez, it, it is really just Nick Saban's world out there. So let's talk about that former Alabama quarterback, former Alabama quarterback, former, you know, for a year, Oklahoma quarterback. Really benefited from that year, I think, got way better. Now, Eagles starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts, a guy I am a massive fan of, an advocate for, and someone I want you to believe in. I really, maybe this is Jalen Hurts propaganda. I really want you to believe in Jalen Hurts. I see a very strong parallel between Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, the Eagles quarterback. It's not perfect. Dak had a better team 
early in his career than Jalen Hurts does at this point. And, and by the way, I feel Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, the way I feel about Jalen Hurts is very similar to the way I felt about Dak Prescott. Early on, I was like, I remember like saying Dak is awesome. I loved him as a person, but as a player, he had shortcomings. And I was like, oh man, that's a, that's a flaw. That's a flaw. I don't feel good about that. And there used to be Cowboys fans who hated Dak Prescott. Do you notice that those people are very, very quiet right now? I mean, there's the irrational person out there like, oh, Dak sucks. But who, who actually has a real argument right now to say Dak Prescott is a terrible quarterback? You, you can't come up with one. It's stupid. It's nonsense. And so the way I felt about Dak, where I felt like he's awesome, I like him, great person, works hard, but not quite there yet in developing, that's where Jalen Hurts is. Jalen Hurts isn't good enough yet. And yet is the key word. Here's a crazy theory. Uh, quarterbacks who work hard get better. Oh, what? No way. You mean, you mean, you're telling me if you train and you practice and you watch film, you take notes, you work really hard. You mean you get better? (gasps) Yeah. Yeah, you do. I'm going to apply what I learned from Dak Prescott to Jalen Hurts. I'm a massive fan of Jalen. His work ethic is fantastic. His leadership, the way he carries himself off the field. And look, when I watch Jalen Hurts, I see brilliant moments. I see flashes of high-level quarterback play. He escapes the pocket. He throws a long touchdown. Is he a great throw here and there? The potential is obvious and very, very clear with Jalen Hurts. The problem is that right now, there are too many bad plays. Jalen Hurts is still developing. So give him time. He had two interceptions against Dallas that were bad plays. Number one was a fade down the right sideline. Not a great decision. Throwing into double coverage. He was trying to take a shot deep. Underthrown. Not a good play. Just, uh, ball needed to be perfect. If you're going to make that throw against that coverage, you got to be perfect. Thread the needle. And Jalen didn't. He underthrew the ball. Got picked off. Interception number two. Trevon Diggs is sitting on the out route. He jumps it. Receiver falls down. Pick six. Now, the receiver falling down didn't help, but even if the receiver hadn't fallen down, I think best case scenario, he makes a tackle and it becomes an interception and not a pick six. But that was going to be an interception either way because Jalen did not see the corner sitting there waiting, baiting him to throw that ball. It's not good. That's two bad plays. Another play on third and five. Jalen missed behind his receiver. That's like, oh, that's inaccurate. Like, a couple bad plays from Jalen Hurts. But also, I remember there was a throw. It got called back. I was like, oh, dang it. I was so frustrated. Beautiful, you know, down the right sideline. He floats it over defender. Jalen Hurts, beautiful throw to Quez Watkins. Got called back because of a penalty. It was a beautiful throw, though. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a high-level play. So here's the question. You either believe in Jalen Hurts or you don't. You have to pick a side. I believe Jalen Hurts is going to improve. I think he's going to get better. I saw Josh Allen do it. I saw Dak Prescott do it. Hard work pays off. I've seen it happen too many times where a guy works his tail off, starts in one place, ends up over here way better because he's that kind of guy. He works hard. And every year, by the way, I've watched Jalen Hurts play quarterback from 
Year one at Alabama, getting benched. Tua comes in, then Tua gets hurt, in the, and the SEC championship game, he comes in, he wins the game, he looked way better that year, goes to Oklahoma, does even better there. Like, every step of the way, when I watch Jalen Hurts, he gets a little bit better every year. He's hungry, he's improving, he's still developing. Let him develop. You do not go to a movie set halfway through filming and say, oh, this movie sucks, I hate it. Well, uh, how about you let me finish making it? Like, <laughs> Let's let something fully develop before we tear it down and say it's a failure. Jalen Hurts is a high-character guy with a legendary work ethic and a good skill set. By the way, he's really talented. He can run. He can extend plays. His arm is better than I think people realize. He's not as accurate as he needs to be. I think a lot of that is actually – I think Jalen is aiming, which just means he's like thinking about where to throw rather than just trusting his instincts and throwing the ball. Do you know why that fade was underthrown? Because he's like trying to put it in the right spot rather than just doing it. It's, that's a simple fix. And I promise you, if you're an Eagles fan, as I talk right now, Jalen Hurts is probably either watching film, working out, doing footwork. He's doing something right now as I speak and as you listen. They might be six hours apart from when I talk and when you listen. He's going to be preparing and getting better as you hear this. Eagles fans can trust that Jalen Hurts, through, through two interceptions last game, the next game is going to get back to work. He, he's fixing the problem. This is not Ben Simmons who can't shoot a jump shot, and instead of working on his jump shot, is playing Fortnite. Like, no, 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 no. I know that Philly has had a problem with superstars that do not like to practice. We're talking about practice, and then also don't like to apparently shoot jump shots, and Ben Simmons is the most infuriating person in Philly sports history. Carson Wentz got hurt. Like, I get it. And that was not a shot at Allen Iverson. He's incredible. But it's just, I just I had, it was funny to me. I'm like, I got to say practice. My point is, you can trust that Jalen Hurts is not like Ben Simmons. He is going to work hard. He's going to get better. He's going to earn your respect. I promise you. He's out there right now working to do that. Jalen takes this very, very seriously. Now, Jalen Hurts needs time. He needs some time to develop. The good news is Philadelphia. They got nothing but time. They're all good. They can be patient. You can be, I, Philly's rebuilding. Let it happen. Let Jalen Hurts make mistakes, figure it out, let him develop. And if you do that, something very, very special could come out of it. But give him time. Don't panic. Don't be angry. You're not going to win a lot of games this year, I don't think. You'll be competitive and interesting. You almost beat the 49ers in week two. But if you're an Eagles fan and you see a bad play happen, what you need to know is that that's going to make Jalen Hurts a better quarterback down the road. When Josh Allen had, I think, the same completion percentage as, like, Josh Rosen year one. Like, Josh Allen, go watch his rookie year. That's not the same quarterback as we're seeing every Sunday now. Dak Prescott got way better. Tom Brady was nothing when he came into the league. And then he worked hard and got better. So I, I promise you, give Jalen Hurts the same patience that Buffalo gave Josh Allen. It's going to work out. It's going to be all good. But you got to let it play out. You got to let it happen. You got to be patient. Here are my final notes from this game. The Eagles offense is at its very best when they're running a no huddle offense. I want to see Philly run a no huddle more often. It puts pressure on the defense. Uh, they have to live up to 
They have to line up faster. Excuse me, I don't know what, live up. <laughs> Freudian slip. They have to line up faster if you are an NFL defense or in any kind of defense trying to guard a hurry-up offense. It creates pressure on your communication system. You have to, it's way easier to screw up coverage because they're already lined up. You're like, hey, get moving. Line up, line up, Mike. You know, you're trying to align everybody, trying to relay the coverage to each other. It's very hard to run a complex defense against a no-huddle offense. So what it forces a defense to do is simplify everything. And what that does is benefit Philly. Jalen Hurts, their young quarterback in a no-huddle system, putting the defense on their heels, it gives you... Defenses do not want to guard you if you're going forward on fourth down and you're running a no-huddle system. It's frustrating. You're like, you're trying to communicate. It puts more stress on everything. I want to see Philly run more no huddle. I think it's the best thing they've done all year. That's when the best drives happen against Dallas. And if you're an Eagles fan, look for that. If you are, you're looking for progress for the Philadelphia Eagles, then I would encourage you to look for that. Look for Philly to run a no huddle offense and put the defense on their heels. Okay. Um, well, you know what, guys? I'm on the fence right now. Um, I, I have not prepared the rest of the episode. I, have, uh, I want to talk about Formula One. I want to talk about a trade, the C.J. Henderson trade. I wanted to ask Zach. Good stuff ahead. I think, hmm. I could make this. I'm trying to decide. Should I make this a full episode and just say it's out, put it out now? I think we will do that. So uh, I'm going to put this out. It's going to be like a 35-minute episode. It's fine. I wish it was longer. But here's what you can do if you're listening right now. Have confidence that the next episode, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I I have a great Ask Zach question about it. We're going to finally talk about the Formula One race we saw where, geez, man, uh, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris. We'll talk about that at the end of the next episode. There's a big trade, the C.J. Henderson trade, all that. I, I need more time to prepare, think about that stuff, get you know, my ideas collected. And so that will be on the next episode. But for now, I love you. I appreciate you. Very short episode today. I wasn't planning that, but I, I think that based on the fact that it's already 6 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday, noon for me, I am going to put this out. You can listen to it, enjoy it, and look very soon for the next episode. My name is Zach Schaumler. I love you. I appreciate you. But um, bum, bam, we are done.